0: There was a point, wasn't there, in the, in the um, coronation service a few weeks ago, uh, there was a little bit of a talking point before the, the ceremony itself, should it be there or shouldn't it? It's quite a sort of a new idea, I suppose, I don't know, I wasn't around um, when Queen Elizabeth II was crowned, maybe some of you were, I don't know, but um, uh, we won't go there, Uh um, but where, where there was opportunity given to the congregation to affirm their loyalty to King Charles III and indeed beyond the congregation there in the Abbey to the, the wider um, group of people who, who were watching on television or wherever and I'm not going to ask uh, whether you did or didn't um, some did some didn't but far, far more fundamental than that is this question. And I'm not going to... I, I am going to ask you this, but I'm not going to ask you to show hands or anything, but I'm going to ask, I am going to ask you this. Would you... Have you done that to Jesus and affirmed your loyalty to King Jesus? That is far more important. Um, I don't want to sound treasonous here, but it is far more important than your loyalty to King Charles. Because he is the King of all kings, Jesus. The Lord of all lords. And he has real power and real authority to command and to judge and to save. And what we need to do is to, to confess Jesus is my Lord. He is my Lord, my King, my Sovereign, my Saviour. And I owe him all that I am and my loyalty and my service for the rest of my life and on for eternity. That's what we need to do. We owe it to him. He deserves it. And we need it. We need need to do that. Because we need to be in his kingdom and um, under his protection uh, and provision uh, and, and salvation. So I will ask you that now. Have you done that? Uh, and is that a living reality to you? Or is it just something you did once and have um, almost forgotten what it means? I will ask you, have you done that? Because you need to do that. And one, one very, very important and significant way of, of doing that, of course, is by being baptised. Saying, um, I belong to Jesus. He died for me. He was buried for me. He rose To life forevermore. For me. And he has changed me. And saved me. So. How about it. Make sure. Make sure in your heart of hearts. You. Have bowed to the Lord Jesus. As your king. And saviour and lord. And show it. Show it by being baptised. Show it by. The way you live. Day by day. And the way you live for him. And represent him. And serve him. Because we're going to be when we come to study this passage, I'm going to read it now from Matthew chapter 4, chapter 3, sorry, um, chapter 4. i I'm read from the end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, um, same as I have done each time, um, that Jesus was offered the glory of all the nations. Well, they are his anyway. This was a complete fake, this, uh, this temptation. And um, they are his. And one day we will be called upon to give an account of how we have lived in his world. And we need to give him glory now, while we have the opportunity. So, reading again, the same as we have done each time, from the end of chapter 3, that's verse 13, and right on into chapter 4. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptised by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and you're coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptised, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. This is the part we're going to be looking at this this evening. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. (coughs) And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only sh- you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Let's pray briefly. Oh Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what all, all that we have been able to read this evening. Thank you for these words of the Lord Jesus. Please help us to... Hear them and understand them, receive them and respond to them this evening. Please take away distractions as we come to study your word. Um, please help us to concentrate in these few minutes together. And Lord, oh, deal with us, please. May this not just be a matter of, of a kind of a comprehension exercise, but please may, may this be a, a, a real living spiritual event this evening where you will speak to us. and and show us your truth and open our eyes to see and our hearts to understand and our wills to obey please God be merciful to us and draw near we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen. well let's before we do that before we come to study let's sing another song which is another prayer really O Lord my rock and my redeemer number 20 Please do turn back to Matthew chapter four, and we're looking particularly at verses eight through eleven this evening. I want to give some some draw out some lessons here about temptation, but I want to end up by looking again at, at Jesus Himself. This is the third of this series of three or four, actually, because I am thinking of doing a fourth one, um, which will be another occasion when Jesus was, or other occasions when Jesus was was tempted. But um, for for tonight, let's let's first of all see in the nature of temptation and sin the, the deceitfulness of of sin, uh, the deceitfulness of temptation that, that would lead to. Sin. What if somebody um, offered to sell you uh, your own mobile phone? <coughs>
1: <coughs> Whoop, <nearly got laughs> <out>.
0: Oh dear. <laughs> I just, funny enough, I just hooked up my, I used a, my phone as a hotspot um, today and discovered that my, my phone is called Darren's phone. <laughs> I was trying to find it, to hook onto it, and I thought, who's Darren? And I realised it was me. So somehow or other, my phone's called Darren's phone. I do not know why. Honestly, I did not steal it. But if someone tried to sell you your own phone, hopefully you'd realise that there was something a bit dodgy going on here. Wouldn't you? Or your own watch, or your own car, or your own house. You'd know they were a crook, wouldn't you? It's obvious. He was some kind of a con. Well, the glory of the nations is Jesus' all along. And here is the devil trying to offer it to him. I mean, it is just so crass, isn't it? It is an absolute deception. ...or attempted deception... ...Jesus is worthy of the glory of all the nations... ...anyway... ...he created it all... ...he sustains it all... ...it is all for him... ...here is someone offering him... ...supposedly offering him... ...what is already rightfully his... ...now this is a typical feature of sin and temptation to commit it. It is a deceit. In, in the letter to the Hebrews, the writer says this, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It's a lie. There are two commands found, found in that little portion from Hebrews I've just read. Beware, any of you. And that shows that we've all got to be on the lookout because any of us could be um, victims of this. Any of us could. We're warned all the time, aren't we, about scams and, and frauds. <laughs> I was with my mum yesterday. She's 95. And she was on the on the phone to somebody, and you know how you've got to prove who you are. And they were saying, you know, what's your date of birth and all of this and all these kind of questions. And one of the the question they kept on asking him was, "What's the name of your What was the name of your first pet?" And um, and she said, "I've never had a pet." <laughs> so so there was something really wrong there. But we they, we have to go through these hoops, don't we, so that make sure that we are who we claim to be. Because there is so much fraud and falsehood about and any of us could be victim to a scam, no matter how clever we think we are. And the other command there is be on the lookout for yourself and for each other, daily. Because this is a daily thing that we are lied to. Someone is seeking to deceive us that what is wrong is actually right and we will have a much better life if only we did this or broke free from that or whatever, it, whatever the temp- form of the temptation might be and it is a dreadful deception. Kate and I, my wife and I, have been um, relatively recently, trying very recently, trying to help a radiant believer who, broken and tearful, Fell because he fell into sin and he, descri- he described it like this he said it nearly destroyed his life really he said it was a complete lie the, the, the temptation promised everything but it delivered nothing complete failure and near destruction Jesus said of the devil, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. We need to beware for ourselves and we need to beware for each other. If you were caught caught by a scam, an online scam or a telephone scam or whatever it might be, you would feel so ashamed, wouldn't you? I don't know anybody here. I'm, I'm, you're too ashamed to say. I expect, but you, you would feel so ashamed if you had been caught by something. You thought somebody offered you something that was too good to be true, and you fell for it. You would feel so ashamed. But surely you would want to warn other people. Don't be as foolish, or as gullible, or as naive as I was. The devil offers us things which are too good to be true, too bad to be good, and how easily we fall for them. Beware, 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 for each other um, and for yourself. I wonder if this this kind of thought lay behind one of one of the things Jesus taught, Matthew sixteen, twenty six. What profit is it to a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Beware, beware, beware the deceitfulness of sin. Secondly, observe the decisiveness of Jesus. Maybe some of you think, oh, he's not going to skip over that, is he? He's not going to skip over that question of, well, to what extent is this world belong to the devil at the moment? Because I am going to skip over that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because Jesus did. He didn't enter into a debate over the fallen state of the world and actually who's controlling what. He didn't talk about that. He said, get away from me. The decisiveness of Jesus. He had none of that. Just get lost, basically, he said. Away with you, Satan, or get behind me, Satan. He wasn't even going to discuss the interesting, intriguing questions about the fallenness of the world. Just get lost. There is a saying about a cat and curiosity. Hmm? Curiosity killed the cat. Beware of debating sin. Just deal with it, basically. When temptation comes, see it for what it is. A deception, a lie, a false promise, a trap. And be decisive in your dealing with us. Scammers will try to lure us in, won't they? To start a conversation, to get us interested... And the more time we commit to the conversation, the more confident they become that that they will get us. We have to be vigilant, decisive and determined to overcome. Jesus was and he won the battle. Beware of the temptation like this. It says someone might say to you, well, how can you say this is wrong until you've tried it? how can you criticize it unless you've actually given it a go beware jesus was decisive it, it is a it is a deceit we must follow jesus example throughout these temptations and um be decisive now what part of the deceit for kind of another side of the this deceitfulness of temptation is this that sometimes we think I'm not going to win, so I might as well give in straight away. I'm never going to be different from what I am. I'm always going to be like this. I'm never going to be better than this. I've given into this temptation so many times before, so I might as well well give in straight away. I'm a failure. I'm no good. Just, Just accept that and keep on as we, as you are that that's a deceit as well because yes all right, you may be a failure you may have failed many many times you may have tried to reform yourself and be better than you have been in the past that may all very well be true but the deception here is this that you the thought you cannot overcome that you do not have the potential to be better that you cannot win this battle that's the deception i like to put together uh, some sayings from Peter and James and Paul. Peter first. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 to 9. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in in the faith. If I... If I, from my vantage point here, looking the opposite way from all of you, I could say, what's that in the vestibule in there? It's a kind of, kind of light brown colour. It looks like a huge animal. Can you hear in the back row there some roaring sound? And then, it's a lion! What would we all do? see. David's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> we think we don't stand a chance against a roaring lion, don't we? Now, there is certainly always a place to flee. Flee from temptation. I'm not pleased. There is just to say, I'm out of here. But what Peter is saying here, you can stand firm. You can resist even a roaring lion. Put that together with what James says. James 4, 7 to 8. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I just love that picture of a, you know, we're described like, as like lambs, aren't we? You know, and a lamb in front of a roaring lion. And what does the lamb have to do? Stand firm and... Ah, and the roaring lion will flee. See, what's the message of that? You, you may have been defeated a hundred or a thousand times before. You may look at yourself and say, I am, I am a weakling. I am, I am hopeless. I am broken. I will never be better. But what does the Bible say about you? What does God say about you? God says you can stand firm and you can resist and the devil will flee from you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, and we can say the same. It is a deception to think that we might just as well give in and just stay as we are. We don't have to do that. But then another thing, if we are looking at what Paul says, is don't be overconfident in yourself. Our confidence is in God. You see, James says, submit to God... And resist the devil. You don't just stand on your own. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. It's not, you're left in a vacuum. It's not left, you're all on your own. But with God's strength, standing with God, drawing near to him, him drawing near to you, being steadfast in the faith, you are strong. But of course, if you don't belong to Jesus, you are totally vulnerable. You have to do both parts of it. Steadfast in the faith, draw near to God, he draws near to you, then you can stand and be a better person and resist temptation and overcome it. So Paul says this 1 Corinthians 10 12 to 13. Therefore, let, let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. If you think you stand in your own strength, then watch out because you're in for a shock. No temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. Don't Don't be deceived by the false promises of temptation and don't be deceived by feelings of failure in Christ if you belong to Jesus the true king you are strong in him draw near to God he will draw near to you and you can resist temptation and overcome so we've seen the deceitfulness of sin the decisiveness of Jesus thirdly His devotion to the true God. Here we again submit to God. Look at verse 10 in our passage. Verse 10 in our passage continues like this. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. The devil had said, you worship me and I will give you all of this. Jesus said, you shall worship uh, the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It wasn't just a matter of saying, I'm not going to do what is wrong. It is also a matter of, I will do what is right. It's not just, I will not do the devil's bidding, but I will do God's bidding. Not that I won't not just that I won't worship the devil, but I will worship the Lord God and serve him. Devotion to God. The word worship here means to bow down to prostrate oneself or even to kiss the hand of the one whom you are worshipping. What a lovely thought way of thinking of what it is to worship God. To bow down before him to prostrate yourself before him with utter respect and awe and to kiss his hand, a sign of It's a sign of uh, commitment, loyalty and servanthood. A total acknowledgement of God's supremacy. That is what we must do. Not just don't be bad, but do be godly. Do be devoted to God himself. It's It's what... Satan wanted Jesus to do to him to worship him in that way, but Jesus, of course, knew that that was utterly wrong. But he didn't just stop not do what was wrong. He put the positive side. There's not just fighting against doing wrong. It's not just saying I will be a good person. It's not just saying I know I know what's right and what's wrong and I will be a good person. You know, the apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, was a good person. Even when he was a Christian, looking back on the way he was beforehand, he said, judged by the law, he was sinless. He was perfect. He was righteous. Looking back on his previous life, I was a good man, he said. Before he became a Christian. He was upright, respectable. He was a Pharisee. One of the most revered, holy righteous people in the land but when he saw Jesus he realised that all of that was just rubbish he did not have the true worship of God in his heart and he had to bow before Jesus and own him as Lord and Saviour so to try to be a good person, absolutely, of course. But don't just do that. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him. Bow before Him and kiss His hand and say, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm yours. I want to do your will from my heart. I want to give you myself because you have given yourself to me respect him honour him, devote yourself to him commit yourself to him in gratitude and absolute dependence you know we, we, we can live outwardly moral lives and be absolutely dead inside spiritually dead inside that's not what Jesus is teaching us to do here not just, not just resist the devil but submit to God bow to him and worship him. He, he, dema- he demands that and he deserves it. He wants, wants, our, wants our love. You know, what, what, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, what is the greatest commandment? What's the answer? What's that? What is the greatest commandment? It isn't actually don't do this and don't do that. The greatest commandment is this, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind with all your strength that's the greatest commandment so I don't know, I'm not looking at anybody in particular because I, I don't know your hearts but you know, please don't just think being a Christian is being an outwardly good person is <laughs> being, being a person who's devoted to Jesus trusts in him and wants to worship God and give our lives to him. Please, please, please do that. See that as being what Jesus did and what we must do. Uh, and beware, because some, you know, there are some things that are idolatry that we might not immediately think are. Oh, you know, obviously, bowing down and worshipping the devil. You think, well, that is obviously idolatrous. That's totally obviously blatantly wrong. But there are other things. When Paul writes to the Colossians, he says this, Colossians 3, verse 5, he lists some things. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry. Covetousness. Well our society is almost built on covetousness isn't it? You know? you, you've, got, you've got to have this. You, know, you really need this. You've got to have more of this. You've got to have better of these. Well we're told in God's word that actually that's idolatry Is putting some, making something else more important than God and I'll do anything I can to have that I'll work extra hours if I can get that or I'll do anything I can to bow before God and give him my heart my mind my soul with all my strength And if he gives me those other things as well, thank you. But if not, I've got the best. I'm doing the best. So, the deceitfulness of sin, the decisiveness of Jesus, and devotion to the true God. Let's just finish, just the last few minutes, thinking about Jesus himself. This, um, this third, this third temptation, if, you, if you'd been kind of standing there watching this at the time, um, observing what was going on, this would be the absolute heart-in-the-mouth moment. Now, this is a, a moment of absolute crucial significance. You know? The potential to unleash such destructive force is beyond imagining. I think. If Jesus had given in to this temptation, it would it would wreck, wouldn't it? The very nature of God Himself. How could it be how could it happen? Maybe maybe even the, the existence of the created universe itself would have just collapsed. And so, that's the deceitfulness of the temptation in the first place. If Jesus is the one who is sustaining all things, and he bows down to the devil, what happens to the nature of God? What happens to all that God has made? When Adam sinned, death, death, suffering and destruction came into the world. What if Jesus had sinned? And what if he had sinned in this particular way? bowing down to the arch enemy in worship in surrender oh this you know this was this would be the moment (gasps) wouldn't it you know you think what is going to happen here the whole of everything depends upon this moment extraordinary extraordinary Well, we've seen seen a huge variety in temptations, haven't we? From the privacy of the desert and the subtlety of turning stones into bread, through very little potential gain, through public display at the temple and um, the blatancy of of an act with um, potential uh, fairly significant gain, to now this crass, no-nonsense-in-your-face, utterly, obviously wicked suggestion of worshipping the devil with great promised reward, although maybe there would be absolutely nothing left if he had ever done it. Well, Jesus was a match for them all, and we can <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief, you know. The whistle blew and we were still winning. 3-0. He overcame. He is our champion. He is, he is our worthy Lord our powerful saviour he fulfilled all righteousness while we repeatedly fail he is therefore able to save us to the uttermost and continue to sustain the universe and the glory of the nations is already his by sovereign right and one day it will be his by glad submission one day every knee will bow, whether whether glad or not, actually. Every knee will bow to him. Every one of our knees will bow to him one day, whether gladly or not, whether with gratitude or with deep, deep regret. Every knee will bow to Jesus one day. He resisted, he overcame. And we need to make sure we are on the winning side right now. If you don't, you're so desperately vulnerable. Make sure you're on the winning side. Team up with Jesus. He came to rescue losers and sinners and failures and broken people who who think they will never be better and cannot change. He fulfilled all righteousness for us and grants that to us as we trust him. Where we fail, he succeeded. Where we fall, he stood firm. He is our commanding officer who goes before us. He is our champion. Jesus, the Lord, is his name. One, one day, the all the glory of the nations will be his. As we read in Psalm 72. Here are uh, just a few excerpts from it again. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him, and his enemies will lick the dust. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Make sure you bow the knee in glad surrender, as we sang, now. And not be forced to do it with deep regret one day. Paul, quoting quoting Isaiah, says this. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Shall, future tense, it will happen in the future, one day. Every knee, every tongue. It will happen. When Paul wrote Philippians 2, which we read earlier, He's not just talking about shall happen in the future. He says should happen now. Therefore, God also has exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Not just shall, but should now. Not just shall one day, gladly or with deep regret, but should now, with gratitude and thanksgiving, and worship, and devotion. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I would say, do it now. Do it now. It should be done now, by every knee and every tongue. It will be done one day. It should be done now. Do it now. Do it now. In, the, in the, your heart, bow the knee to Jesus. Take his hand. Kiss it. Say, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm yours for, for all my life. I confess you as my Lord, as my Saviour. Do it now. He is the champion. He is the Lord. He is the victor. Be on the winning, Be on the winning side. Bow to the one who deserves it. By sovereign right. By life and death of love. He deserves it. Do it now. Bow to me. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now. To the glory of God the Father. a moment quietly to think and say where do I fit in where do I where am I in relation to King Jesus if if there was an opportunity now to repeat some words of fealty of devotion of loyalty to our King and Commander would you join in right now would you? Search your heart please and bow to Jesus. A few moments quiet before we sing out.